The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. How should we forgive offenses? And does our forgiveness mitigate the consequences for sin? What about Jesus' example in forgiveness? And what about Stephen's example in Acts? Some things we will be considering today here on Grace in Focus. This is the radio broadcast and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. We'd love for you to find out more about us and give us feedback at our website, faithalone.org. You can also watch our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday YouTube videos at the Grace Evangelical Society's YouTube channel. Once again, our website, faithalone.org. Now to today's discussion about forgiveness. Here are Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates. For those who heard our last episode, we were talking about the forgiveness of sins, and Bob and I have said some things that maybe some of our listeners have never considered before. If we could summarize it, we would say that forgiveness is a restoration of a relationship or fellowship. Fellowship, and it's not really, it doesn't really apply if we don't know somebody or if that person is not interested in a relationship with you. In other words, they don't ask for forgiveness. And also, we said that there can be consequences even though we forgive someone. That's right. It doesn't mean we forget it. It doesn't mean it's as though they never did it. Right. It just means we are not holding it against them, but there still may be consequences, as in the case of, let's say, someone who has abused a child. We're not going to let them work around children. Right. Or let's say a pastor who has an affair. We're not going to let them be the pastor of this church anymore. Maybe ever. They've probably forfeited their right to be the pastor of this church. It doesn't mean they can't be pastor of another church. But I said at the end that we had someone who stole $400 from GES and they left and they never asked for forgiveness. And But if they did, I probably wouldn't rehire them. Colin said, you know, if someone sins against you, let's say in terms of stealing money from an organization, yeah, there would might be many circumstances where you would never rehire that person because the person has demonstrated they're untrustworthy. But there are other situations where you know the person is trustworthy and they do something that's out of character. And maybe it's from some crisis bizarre crisis. Right, right. Yeah. Or they're going through some mental or physical problem, and so you could rehire them. So, okay, I repent. We I, forgive you. I, thank you. <laughs> I, I could see that, but I definitely could not see if someone was a registered sex offender ever letting them work with children at our conference. Well, you know, right? let me ask I wouldn't you, let them be around children at our conference. Well, let me ask you a question on that, because it came up in a Zoom class I had maybe about a week ago. Some of our listeners may disagree with what I'm about to say. But for an example, if a pastor sexually abuses a child, I made the comment that I don't care what he does. He could never be a pastor again, ever. And I say that because, you know, when Paul says, you know, talks about having a good relationship with those outside the church, for example, Imagine the if reputation. pastor means elder. Yeah, I'm using, certainly couldn't be an elder again. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's say elder. You know, let's say he raped a child. Never could he be in a position in the church, and we could forgive him. He's forgiven. He, you know, he could fellowship in the church, but he could never be a leader. That's one of these things about consequences. So we were talking about this in a Bible study, and I would say 
that would disqualify a person for being an elder forever. Well, I think the key factor there is not so much forgiveness as what it means to be the husband of one wife, a one-woman man. In my view, you're disqualified, and this, you're going to really think I'm bizarre here. <laughs> I would say if you're widowed and you remarry, you're disqualified from being an elder. Mm-hmm. I would say if you're divorced and remarry, you're disqualified from being an elder. I would say if you've never married, you're disqualified from being an elder. And I would say it's probable, maybe not certain, even though I was an elder for a time and I, we have no children, had no children, I would say it's unlikely, maybe there's some latitude here, whether an, a married man with no children could be an elder. So to me, this question you're talking about— Well, I'm putting all that aside. I'm yeah. putting all that aside because there's differences of opinion. What right. I'm saying is that there would be a sin that would disqualify a person from being an elder because of the reputation on the church. And it's kind of like 1 Corinthians 5, where the guy is sleeping with his stepmother— and for Paul, that's like, okay, this is reflecting poorly upon the church. We And the guy repents later. Right. I he, think we talked about Second Corinthians uh, 7.10. Right. And it seems to be that not only did he repent, but the whole church repented of allowing that. But there are consequences. So, yeah, you're probably right. I don't know that we have an exact scripture that says, what do you do in this case of a, a pastor who has abused one of the children in the church. We're not talking now one of the women in the church. And, of course, it wasn't even abuse. We're not talking where this is forcing himself on someone. I know lots of cases where people have had affairs. But I even know there was a person in Dallas, North Dallas. He was being groomed to be the head of this Bible church movement. He was found guilty of rape and sent to Huntsville and spent 20 years in prison. This was a Dallas Seminary graduate, very gifted guy, got out after 20 years. And as far as I know, he's never pastored again. But he was being groomed to be the head of a kind of a denomination. And the truth is, just because someone's in the ministry doesn't mean they don't have problems. Right. There are people who are murderers and and rapists and and people who have embezzled funds and all kinds of things that that are in prison. In other words, just because someone is in the ministry doesn't mean they're free from moral problems. Please plan to join us at Camp Copus in Denton, Texas. The Grace Evangelical Society's 2024 National Conference is May the 20th through the 23rd. Good fun, wonderful fellowship, Recreational opportunities for the younger ones and the older ones. Great teaching on the theme of free grace in the epistles of Peter. There's VBS for kids, too. More information and online registration now at faithalone.org slash events. That's faithalone.org slash events. Please come and join us. Let's get into three questions that came up in talking with Colin. Jesus at the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What is that, Luke 23? Luke 23, 34. Well, what does that mean? Based upon what we've been saying, someone would say, well, wait a second. Those people didn't ask Jesus for forgiveness, but he says, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And so someone might look at that and go, well, isn't his example that here are some people, they don't ask for forgiveness he doesn't have a relationship with them. They don't repent. They don't, they don't, yeah, they're like, matter of fact, they think they're doing good. They think they're doing the right thing. They think they are crucifying. Well, first off, we got to ask, who is them? 
That's one of the questions. We yeah, it's at. interesting. You said on the break you didn't think this was the entire crowd or even the crowd specifically, but it's the Romans, the Roman soldiers at the cross. Well, that's that's Ken Yates's opinion because <laughs> the religious leaders do know. They know what they're doing. Right? Forgive them for they know what to do. But it could be, could it not, the Romans and the vast majority of the Jewish people standing there, but excluded would be those who did know. Sure. Which would be the religious leaders. Well, one of the questions— Assuming we say they knew what they were doing, which I think you could make a case even they didn't know what they were doing because they weren't convinced he was the Messiah. Okay, but here's the issue, for me anyway, and Bob and I didn't get a chance to talk about this, but what I the way I see this is going on is, number one, I think he's talking about the Roman soldiers. All right. And what he is saying is sin brings God's judgment. And so what he's saying is don't judge these people. Now, if we're going to say this is talking about the Jews, Jesus has already said judgment is falling on the nation. That's right. So if judgment is falling upon the nation, Mark 13, all of the discourse, you see all these buildings, they're going to be wiped out. Now, is Jesus now on the cross saying, never mind, don't do that to them? Is, yeah, that's a good point. You know, I'm going to have to think about this. Yeah, this You're yeah. kind of blowing my mind. Okay. Let me just throw this out as an option. That what he's saying is, Lord, these Roman soldiers, Father, don't judge them for this. Because they're killing the Son of God. All right. How about the paralytic in Mark 2? Where this paralytic, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And then they say, who is this that can forgive sins? And he says, so that you can know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. And then he heals it. Yeah. So what's going on there? He says, your sins are forgiven. Well, this man hasn't repented. There's no indication in the text that he's repented, and there's no indication that Jesus has any relationship with this guy, right? Now, I would say no to that. Okay, no to what? Uh, What you just said. I think the guy in Mark 2, when you read the account that his friends are taking him, and it says Jesus sees his faith. See, uh, it says, I see their faith. When that's he saw what I thought it was their faith their referring faith. to the people who carried him, not him. But all of them. And he is a beautiful picture. They set him at the feet of the Lord. This is a guy who wants to be close to the Lord. He desires to be close to the Lord. And they go to unbelievable Isn't extremes. this where they let him down through oh, the tiles? they dig through the roof. They get find to get ropes. They got to lower this full-grown man, and they place him in front of him. And I think it's a beautiful picture of communion with him. And the Lord is what he's saying is, this is a believer. He's a picture of a believer who wants to be close to the Lord. And he goes, your sins are forgiven. You and I have fellowship. All right. You're blowing my mind on this one, too. You think their faith doesn't refer just to the people who let him down through the roof, but also to his faith. Absolutely. That guy's got to go along with it. All right. And, of course, I wasn't thinking of this as saving faith. I was thinking of this faith that Jesus could heal. But you're saying beyond that, you think at least the man who's at Jesus' feet, the paralytic, that he's born again. I think this is a beautiful picture of fellowship. And the forgiveness of sins here is we're in fellowship together. And him sitting at his feet is a beautiful picture of that. That's Ken Yates' view, and I feel so, pretty strong about so it. So you're saying the forgiveness is not something that Jesus is just giving then. He's just saying your sins are forgiven because you're in fellowship We're with We're in me. fellowship with you. I think it's a picture. All right. Third example, Stephen. What do we do with Acts 760 where Stephen, what's he say? Don't hold this sin against them? Yeah, it's interesting. He didn't use the word forgiveness. And it's the same thing as, I think, the judgment. Whatever we think of Jesus at the cross about the judgment, 
Stephen doesn't say, hey, forgive them. He seems to be saying, don't judge them for killing me. You know, now, but, he knows, of course, I would assume, yeah. what Jesus had said, that the nation's going to fall. Well, just look at his sermon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in his right. sermon, he goes, you people are, you're following in your ancestors' footsteps. And he gives all the examples. And you're about to get it. But Stephen just says. But not because you're killing me. Yeah, don't do it because you're killing me, which all is right. not the same thing as forgiving. That's how I would respond to those. All so, right. Ken, you're blowing my mind. Well, I, I think he's uh, getting all of us to think more deeply about forgiveness. And I think a lot more work needs to be done oh, here. Oh, do we ever. Because I think you're right that evangelicals have a view that's not really founded on the Bible. But it's more founded on kind of touchy-feely, not really founded on the Bible. Yeah, I know that some of y'all will throw tomatoes at me at this, and I probably deserve a few of them. But uh, I hope it does get us all to think about this more. I think we need to. Because we need to keep grace in in focus. Be sure to check out our daily blogs at faithalone.org. They are short and full of great teaching just like what you've heard today. Find them at faithalone.org slash resources slash blog. We would like to thank all of our financial partners who help us keep this show going. All gifts are tax deductible and very much appreciated. If you'd like to find out how you can be a financial partner, visit us at faithalone.org. On the next episode, Is There an Unpardonable Sin? What does the Bible say about this? Please join us for that. And until then, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.